This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. And hello, uh, welcome aboard the Adam Ritz Show. My name is Adam Ritz, so glad you're on board with us to talk about public affairs issues across the country. Jay Baker is joining me on the phone. Hey, Jay, how are you? I am doing outstanding, Adam. Uh, Do you like ketchup? You know, I do, and I bet you're going to tell me a story about the (laughs) shortage of ketchup. (laughs) You know, there's so many shortages right now. Uh, A lot of products are uh, at an all-time high as far as price goes. Have you seen the price of lumber lately? Yes. In Uh, fact, I've got a lumber story for you. Oh, you do today? Yeah, a little bit later on. But yes, lumber is a a fascinating thing. And yes, something that's seemingly mundane like ketchup, it's kind of having an interesting uh, situation, I think, because of shortages. Well, I'll get to my uh, ketchup story in a second. But now that you've got me on lumber, uh, I saw a funny uh, image this past week. Uh, the caption was just, uh, finished building my, um, $1,500 deck and, (laughs) and the picture is about a two foot by two foot area of wood at the base of a door of an RV. (laughs) Uh, And that was their $1,500 deck. It was uh, quite oh, funny. Uh, but so ketchup, uh, before I tell you my ketchup story, so there is a shortage. Uh, do you know a lot about the shortage? Well, it was funny uh, in doing research for today's show. There's a couple of items that would surprise you that there are shortages. And one of them that they mentioned was surprise ketchup, because we just assume there's an unlimited amount of ketchup. My goodness, we've every fast food place has apparently gallons of it. You know, you know I, that's not even what my story is about today with ketchup. And now that you mention it, I do recall hearing the headlines somewhere uh, over the past week how there's a ketchup shortage. I hope that doesn't mean there's a, a tomato shortage. I know uh, I get depressed when I order a sandwich and, uh, you know, order lettuce, tomato, and they say, oh, sorry, we don't have any tomato. When the tomatoes are are on short supply, uh, I wonder if the tomatoes are, uh, that, uh, that, you know, harvest was low this year, or wonder what the reason is. Well, Um, we should check into this. We need an the Adam Rich Show investigative arm, I think, don't you? We're going to get we, our crack you know, staff. Of, we need a staff first, of, but uh, then. Of me and or you is the crack yeah. staff I'm talking about to do a follow-up report next week on the ketchup shortage. Because I'm sure if you didn't know about it and you're driving in your car right now, and you, you know there are a lot of people that eat ketchup with their french fries and they wouldn't eat the fries if they didn't have the ketchup. No, this could um, affect the fry industry. This really could reach far and wide. We'll do a follow-up <laughs> report next week. Uh, the ketchup story I wanted to get to right off the bat is about a company called Red Gold and what they're doing with the Folds of Honor organization. Uh, they're doing a sort of a charitable uh, donation where every bottle— 
of their red gold ketchup purchased, every bottle, a portion of those proceeds will be donated to Folds of Honor. And we've talked about Folds of Honor in the past. It's a great organization to educate and support the children, uh, families uh, of our fallen heroes. So uh, it's the least we can do as a country is to help out these kids who have lost their parents uh, in the military. Uh, and Red Gold's getting involved to make sure those kids um, have education, whether it's uh, secondary or collegiate. Uh, Red Gold will donate a portion of the proceeds of every single bottle to the Folds of Honor to honor our fallen heroes. And they've even got a slogan. It's ketchup with a cause. Oh, that's excellent. And you know what it reminds me of? I <laughs> When I first heard ketchup with a cause, I thought of, see if you remember what this from, is from. It's the tuna with a heart. Does that ring oh. a bell? You know, that one doesn't. I know chicken of the sea, but I haven't heard tuna with a heart. All right. When I tell you what it's from, I'm a movie junkie. You know that about me. And in the film Mr. Mom with uh, Terry Garr and Michael Keaton. Yes. So Terry Garr goes back to work and her husband, Michael Keaton, becomes Mr. Mom, stay-at-home mom. And her job is in advertising. And she comes up with this ad campaign for the Schooner Tuna Company uh, during the, um, you know, the recession of the late 70s, early 80s, whatever, all the inflation. They weren't going to raise or they were going to reduce the price of a can of tuna by 50 cents to help uh, American families get through the inflation uh, situation. And their slogan was, the tuna with a heart. (laughs) So, uh, as you <laughs> see the slogan, <laughs> ketchup with a cause, do not confuse red gold ketchup with the schooner tuna company. One is real. One is in a movie. There you go. Um, and uh, and we will get to the bottom of a potential ketchup shortage in our country. I gotta, just have yeah. heard, you know, just anecdotal evidence. We have not put our crack investigative team on it just yet. All right, the and investigative if, arm. And for our uh, listeners that uh, we're holding you uh, to hold us accountable next week, if we don't do a catch-up report, you better email or tweet me uh, and say, hey, where was the catch-up report? I got to know about this shortage because it's affecting my French fry purchases over the next month or so. <laughs> and you can get in touch with me uh, through email on the website, adamritzshow.com. There's a contact uh, form right there on the on the website, adamritzshow.com. Twitter's always uh, easiest, too. I'm at Adam Ritz on Twitter. This is the Adam Ritz Show. We're brought to you in part by Vibonomics, an audio uh, retail experience across the country in grocery stores. You walk in a store, you hear some music, you hear some voiceover messaging, you hear a few advertisements. That's Vibonomics. You can learn more about them at vibonomics.com, and we have a link to their website on ours, adamritzshow.com. Now I'm super curious about this catch-up situation. Uh, I apologize, Jay, because through the remainder of the show, as you talk, I won't be listening because I'll be worried about my catch-up. But did you say, are are you getting back to lumber? Do you have a lumber story? Well, I do have a lumber story, and it was funny that you said that because you're right. If this affects you, it is a little distracting. You know, when the toilet paper shortage first hit, Americans were very concerned, and perhaps rightly so, because that's kind of, that's not really a luxury item. That's kind of a mandatory home item. 
And if you thought, if I'm going to run out of toilet paper, this is concerning. Tell me more. In your particular case, you love tomatoes and you love ketchup and you love French fries. So if you connect all those dots, you're going to be concerned. I think it's fair to us to point out uh, not to create a panic. Do not hoard ketchup. You don't need to hoard ketchup the way you may or may have hoarded toilet paper (laughs) last year. Uh, I think once people, the panic set in and they bought uh, 2,700 rolls of toilet paper and loaded their garage with it, I don't, it probably took a day or two for them to realize I'm going to have to poop every day (laughs) for 15 years to five times a day for 15 years to use all this toilet paper. So you don't want to do that with ketchup. Don't hoard the ketchup. Your neighbors won't get any ketchup. And then you'll be looking at a stockpile of ketchup thinking, I'm going to have to eat 15 pounds of French fries every day for a decade to use all this ketchup. So don't panic. Just wait till next week. Wait till our follow-up report on exactly what's happening with the ketchup industry. Everything is going to be okay, but you did indicate that <laughs> everything's going to be okay. Nothing to see calm. here. Remain calm. <laughs> remain calm. Uh, you know, it was funny you did mention lumber. Uh, lumber, because there have been a lot of home improvement projects, more uh, people have been at home and kind of looked around and said, yeah, I need to finish this, that, or the other. That and building in general has caused an overall uh, inflation in the pricing of lumber. In fact, uh, Home Depot uh, figures that there's been a 180% increase in the pricing on lumber. Unbelievable. So that is pretty amazing. It's adding about $24,000 to the average price of a home. So that's another interesting consequence. Uh, The housing industry is sort of at an all-time high, and that's very positive for growth in our economy. But the actual home prices are more expensive just because of the raw materials inside the house. Did you say $24,000? It's adding $24,000 to the average price of a home. Wow. Wow, that makes me... I know, me, that's significant. I kind of want to deconstruct my home and get the lumber out of it and, and put it on eBay <laughs> and see what I can get for it. I'll take, I'll take uh, well, $24,000 right now. Well, a good friend of ours, and I don't know if you saw his post on Facebook... But he had a picture of, of a sheet of plywood, and he said, we'll trade for a late-model Corvette. Yeah. Don't try to lowball me. I know what I've got. I know what I've got. I, did I know see, what I've got. I did see that post. One single sheet of plywood, and he wants a Corvette for it. <laughs> I want a Corvette. Don't try to lowball me. Uh, but, yeah, so that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, Aaron Rodgers hosted Jeopardy. And I thought this is kind of cool. Aaron's a pretty philanthropic guy, but the uh, the actual producers of the Jeopardy show said that all the money that's won that week, they'll donate to a charity. And the very first week that Aaron Rodgers hosted Jeopardy, there was $117,000 given away, and Aaron selected that to go to North Valley Community Foundation in Chico, California, which is his hometown. I know Aaron is usually associated with the town of Green Bay, but he's actually from California, and he's given a million dollars of his own money to that foundation. 
Did he really uh, over the past or, or in conjunction with the Jeopardy thing? Previously, he'd given a million of his own money. So when the uh, producers of Jeopardy said, hey, we're going to give we're going to match the amount of whatever we give away to contestants this week, and then we will match that and you can select who it goes to. And that was his selection. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think that that's really cool. And I think that uh, that's impressive that Jeopardy is willing to do that. And that's an amazing amount of money in one week that the show gives away. What did you think of the job he did? Did you see any of his shows? Yes, I thought he did a pretty good job. And supposedly the story that because we cover a lot of sporting stuff, uh, the, the sporting world story was that Aaron wanted to pursue this as a permanent job. No kidding. He enjoyed it that much. And the producer said he had kind of a flair for this because, you know, it's not particularly easy. You've got to jump in front of the bright lights and be poised and, you know, uh, speak well. And I think he did extremely well. Well, and there's pressure because I did notice with him, he paused a little too long a few times before telling the contestant that they did get the right answer. And, Ah. you know, even if it's an easy one, if it's... uh, you know, if the answer is four and the question is, what is two plus two? I mean, you immediately as the host want to say, that's correct. Pick again. Right. So <laughs> right. whatever whatever the the contestant's response was, even if he knew the answer, they gave the right response. You still have to make sure the judges are accepting the response before you say that's correct. Pick again, because if you're wrong as the host. Now it's just you, you. It's just a mess. They've got to they've yes. got to stop the show. They have to take away points, dollar amounts, and apply. You know, and, and if you do that two or three times during a, only a half an hour program, you're a terrible host. But you're risking now being an even worse host if you're pausing too long before you say yes, that's correct. When everybody at home knows the answer is Albuquerque. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. Name a name the multi-syllable town in New Mexico. Right. Uh, yeah. No, the guy says uh, Albuquerque, and, and Aaron Rodgers takes three seconds to go. Uh, that's correct. Pick again. Oh, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess too, it might have been a situation first run through. They said, "Hey, take a little pause, just so that you don't accidentally, because you are correct." Alex Trebek brought a lot of gravity to that show. And uh, you would hate to be the guy that, quote, goofed it up, you know? Yeah, it really points out now, and and I didn't appreciate it then, how quick Alex was on telling the contestant that they were right. It's almost as if Alex were the ultimate judge because the guest hosts obviously have to wait or go to a panel of judges. And I've seen Alex in the past after a commercial break say, our judges informed me that the previous uh, segment, there was a wrong answer, so we're taking $200 away from contestant B. Um, But he was really fast on saying, yes, that's correct, pick again. I know. Well, remember the uh, urban legend was that Alec Trebek knew every answer to the questions. And he had to say in several interviews, no, he goes, I'm just the host. You know, yeah. th- thankfully, the card makes me appear much sharper than I really am. I Did you ever, I used to make fun of the, uh, <laughs> at the part of the show where they do a little Q&A with the contestants. 
Yes. And, you know, Alex would walk up and say, uh, our first contestants, uh, Jay Baker, uh, I hear you work in radio. Is that correct? And you'd say, that's right, Alex. And uh, one time I met the, uh, the backup drummer for the Rolling Stones. And his response was always the same. He'd say, good for you. And then he'd go to the next contestant. <laughs> Stock answer. So yeah. <laughs> whether you met, you know, the uh, Jackie Chan's uh, stunt double, or if you uh, accidentally invented something back when you were in fifth grade, Alex would always go, "Good for you." Let's go back to the board. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alec, I hunt Bigfoot and I watch for UFOs. Good um, for you. Good for you. Okay. Good let's for go you. back to the <laughs> potent potables for fifty, Alex. <laughs> Uh, here's a kind of a, I, I think a very cool story. Janet Jackson, who I've always viewed as sort of the ultimate eighties artist and MTV era artist who had just some monstrous hits. She's auctioning off a, a number of her personal show business P uh, show business pieces. So costumes and different things. Mm -hmm through a, an auction house called Julian, spelled uh, with I-E-N-S, for uh, Compassion International. Uh, and the auction is going to happen online from May 14th through the 16th. So if you are a Janet Jackson fan or a fan of sort of 80s pop memorabilia, there's going to be some very interesting items, and they're raising money for Compassion International. Compassion International, that's fantastic to hear. We love the great causes and the charities. Uh, and I might even bid on the uh, baseball hat she wore in, uh, was it the Control video? Control. Yes. I want yeah. that baseball hat. And if it helps a great cause, I'm in. All right, let's post. I'll post a, a link to this uh, on our website uh, with the the bio of this show. Uh, so if you want to re-listen to this, this, this broadcast or this episode, if you will, uh, you can listen to it in podcast form, and we'll have a link to the website if you want to uh, you know, make a bid on something cool from Janet Jackson's uh, career. You know what? I just uh, did a similar story uh, where I just found this so odd. The inventor of Spanx, I uh, don't recall oh, yes. her name, but the inventor of Spanx bid on, uh, in a charity, a uh, celebrity charity auction, she bought Olivia Newton-John's tight black pants that she wore at the end of Greece. Right. She bought those pants for $162,000 in uh, 2019, just a couple of years ago. So I just, that just jumped out at me. I did that story on the, on the Yacht Rock radio show I host. And uh, what a perfect world. Uh, you know, you invent Spanx, then you get to buy Sandy's tight pants uh, <laughs> and support a charity in Australia. That's, uh, that, that's, that's full circle there. Well, it shows you, too, how much this memorabilia means to people. It does. Uh, and I, I think it's cool, you know, because if you're Olivia Newton-John, you might think, hey, the Sandy wardrobe, no one's going to care about this. At the time, they probably didn't even know that Greece was going to be that big of a cultural touchstone. Yeah, for Olivia Newton-John, those pants are probably wadded up in the back of her closet. She could care less. Uh, yeah, but they garnered uh, one hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars, and uh, a charitable organization got a piece of that. So that's fantastic. Impressive. Uh, there's a company who's looking for a major league baseball professional food taster, and uh, there is a budget for travel and food purchases 
you they want you to travel to as many major league ballparks as you can and eat hot dogs. <laughs> and there This is I'm I'm saying this because someone in our audience right now is going this is the job for me. That's a job description? I they are looking for a professional MLB food taster. I mean, I'd say at least 300 people at any game are going to not only that game, but every other ballpark in the country, too, because they're baseball fans. And that, that's a big thing to visit every single uh, park yes. in the league You know, during one season, or at least in your life. That's a bucket list thing to go to every single stadium. They're going to have no trouble finding somebody to go eat 32 hot dogs in 32 different stadiums. Absolutely. Uh, it's a company called Bonus Finder. So if you say to yourself, hey, I'm going to the ballparks anyway, eating hot dogs, that's just what I do. I mean, do. do you have their their email? I'll pay them if they pick me to do that. <laughs> they don't even have to pay me. My only note here says that the company is called Bonus Finder. And uh, like the two words, bonus and finder, next to each other and i'm not necessarily sure what they do i don't know if it's like a sort of a sports betting site or whatever but uh yeah they're very interested in uh you know sort of getting some ratings on on professional on mlb food now have you heard of the world famous dodger dog i have the the dodger dog is one of the few places where the ballpark actually has some food items that are just for that ballpark only, and are famous. I uh, went to a Dodgers game with uh, my cousin who lives in L.A., and uh, all I heard about was the just the world-famous nature of the Dodger dog and how a lot of people will go to a Dodger game that don't they don't even like baseball. They just want to get a Dodger dog. That's their lunch or, you know, the businessman's special. They'll get tickets to the game right. through their company, and they're like, yeah, I'll go to the game. I need some – I want a Dodger dog. And they'll stay for two or three innings and then leave. Uh, I got a Dodger dog. Dodger dog. And I Was swear, I am the the unluckiest person on the planet. The Dodger dog that I got was like, it was burnt. It was, everything was wrong with it. The bun was like soggy. Somebody had spilled liquid on it. So the bun was destroyed, sogginess. The, the dog was burnt and it was like split. And it was like a deformed, it was deformed out of the, out of the, right out of the gate and burnt and the bun was, was soggy. And I'm like, I looked at my cousin, I'm like, what is the big deal with this hot dog? This is terrible. And he's like, oh, Adam, I've had 5,000 Dodger dogs and none of them have ever looked like that. <laughs> you got the sad one. I'm the sad. You got the outlier. They, they knew I wasn't there to, oh. as a returning customer. They they didn't want to set me up with a good one. So uh, that is a bucket list of mine to go back and get another Dodger dog. I'll give him another chance. I want to try. Yeah, it. you have to because, like you said, it's famous. Now Chicago, of course, very famous for its hot dogs. And then uh, at uh, – Wrigley Field, the home of the Cubs, they're famous for Heilman's Old Style. That's one of the few places that has sort of its own beer. It's a beer that's almost impossible to find outside that stadium. Hmm. And uh, 
So, yeah, so I'm with you that certain ballparks have just certain. In fact, now you even talking about ballparks makes me want to go to a baseball game because we've all been kind of indoors. And as you know, as we're getting closer and closer to being able to get out, I definitely am going to have to take in a ball game now. We might have to uh, hit up one of these ballparks uh, if we don't get chosen to be the hot dog connoisseur <laughs> of the Major League Baseball. That's right. Here's a cool story. 13-year-old twins, Jet and Luke Justin, they live in uh, Palm Beach County, Florida. They created a, an organization called Serial for All. So if you take Serial, the number 4all.org, and they have had a number of serial drives throughout uh, their local schools and libraries, and they have uh, actually given 80,000 bowls of cereal to local food banks. That is a fantastic story. I, and cool these are story. Kids? Yeah, two kids. They're twins. Uh, some of their... Uh, some of their activities were curtailed due to the pandemic, and they decided that, hey, that, you know, that schools and libraries would be a great place to collect boxes of cereal because it's, it's kind of an easy thing to do if you think about it. You know, if you're at yeah. the grocery, pick up an extra box or two, donate it to the twins, and they've given away 80,000 bowls of cereal. And now, now, the equivalent of 80,000 bowls, they haven't. They didn't actually go buy 80,000 bowls and then fill them up with cereal and pass out the <laughs> no. bowls. Can you imagine that? <laughs> We're going to need 80,000 people to eat a bowl of they, cereal. They would need another set of twins to do a bowl drive to have the bowls to accommodate all that cereal. That's fantastic. They got enough cereal to fill 80,000 bowls uh, for the needy. And what a great yeah. great idea. It's so easy to buy a box of cereal, throw it in the bag, throw it in the back of your trunk, drop it off at school. Great idea. Well, and I thought the cool thing is, too, it does underscore that there's always something you can do. So if you get an idea, why not? So like I mm -hmm. said, these guys are 13-year-old twins, and they decided, hey, this is something that I can definitely do that's good. Um I wonder if it was, you know, Cocoa Puffs and Lucky Charms or, or more like the, uh, or more Grape Nuts uh, shredded wheat. <laughs> well, I think, you know, if you're having a cereal drive, you got to make it fun. Uh, you can't have the old stodgy cereal. You know, that's you the challenge. the good stuff. That's the challenge with a food drive, a, a food, a canned food drive, cereal drive as the consumer. Don't, don't just give the cereal you don't want. Or the cereal no. that's bad. I mean, have some fun with it. Get something healthy. Do some honey bunches of oats. And then go ahead and get the box of Cocoa Puffs and give those away, <laughs> too. Because, you know, those canned food drives, uh, I, I always, later in my life anyway, I would make a conscious effort to buy food, soup, or canned food that I would want for the canned food drive. Because you don't sure. just want to empty out your tomato paste out of the back of the no. closet and give that away. No one's going to pop open a can of tomato paste uh, and eat it out of, you know, like like you would a, a can of um, SpaghettiOs or ravioli <laughs> right. or give chunky soup. I mean, come on, some sirloin burger chunky soup. That's what, that's what I want to eat. I'm not going to sit back with a can of tomato paste. <laughs> oh, my goodness, that's hilarious. A study from the United Kingdom links drinking coffee – and listening to energetic music actually makes you a better driver. 
Yeah, I believe that. Of course. Yeah, they uh, they actually even determined what might be some of the better music choices. And they found that uh, after you have a strong cup of coffee, it increases your ability to discern uh, things that come up in the driving situation. It improves it by about 8%. So coffee has a causal link to good driving. For certain. It's a stimulant. I mean, a cup of coffee and an upbeat song, you're more alert. The opposite would be uh, listening to depressing music while you're drinking <laughs> beer, uh, a depressant. Okay, not only beer not only are you mode. not only are you a worse driver, it's illegal. That's how bad of a driver right. you are. It's, it's not a good idea at all. And here's the totally controversial element of this. The study found that women generally have quicker reaction times than men. Now, that's Hmm. in the U.K., so we don't know if this is worldwide. Women generally have quicker reaction times, but this may indicate that women are better drivers than they are sometimes given credit for. Well, that is certainly an interesting point. And as we uh, end the show, I did get uh, with the judges, and we need to retract a statement from this episode that Depeche Mode is depressing music. Uh, one of my favorite bands, Jay Baker. I uh, do, why you I, I do not approve of the of Depeche Mode being depicted as depressing. Mate, you know what? I'll go with Morrissey. Morrissey from Morrissey. the Smiths. You don't get behind the wheel of the car. After drinking a beer, listening to Morrissey, because it is depressing and it is also against the law. This is the Adam Ritz Show. We thank you for listening. Join us online, adamritzshow.com. Okay, there we go. Excellent, man. All right, good show. Good job. Okay, that was fun. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.